Podcast Babies. I'm Jesse Oliver. I'm Maureen Smith. And I'm Makita Loney, and we're Fat Out of Hell. A bi-weekly podcast where we burn down fat stigma through conversations about our experiences as bad, rad fatties. So take out your extenders and buckle up, because it's time to go! Hey, everybody, we're back. And today we are discussing two things that we have found are really important over this odd time we're currently living in. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are boundaries and self-care. And they're interrelated, if you ask me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For fucking sure. (laughs) Well, so... Uh, can I, yeah, oh, can, go I ahead. can I kick off this 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 discussion of boundaries with with a yes. ha- with a harrowing tale? Uh, uh, ooh, ooh, a tale that we know and can't wait for you to hear. Yeah, because what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> so, um, about two years ago, I joined a gym and was like really excited about it because I was at the point in my in my fat acceptance journey where I was like, I feel okay joining a gym and working out just to work out. I don't feel the need to lose weight. I, I, I just want to have a, a practice of movement in my life. So I joined this gym um, and went and had a horrible experience where I was pressured into having a personal trainer who was like very insistent on weighing me and stuff like that. And I ended up parting ways very messily and um yeah it was terrible it was fucking awful um so fast forward to yesterday or a couple days ago i'm on facebook and i get a friend request and it was the trainer from two years ago who had friended me on facebook and i was like what the fuck is this and i looked and i was and it said and i saw that he it said former personal trainer at this gym so he had left the gym and then his new job was ceo or owner of such and such personal training and i'm like this motherfucker friended me on facebook to expand to try to to try to get me as a personal training client for his new fucking thing. And I just was in utter disbelief. In absolute utter disbelief that somebody could be so blatantly unaware of how much they had negatively impacted my life. Right. Right. Also, it's just like blatantly unprofessional. Oh, like, yeah. It's like unprofessional and like you put me through hell, sir. Right. I need you to uh, fuck the fuck off. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, and like, and like, it's it, to me, it's just like another, it, another like sign that fitness professionals that aren't that like have no idea, like uh, like unaware, non caring fitness professionals have no idea what they're doing to fat people. Or not that I mean, they they know what they're doing to fat people, but they have no idea the lasting impact of it. Totally, totally. Uh, like I, I remember think- this motherfucker's name on site two years later. I right. remember his face. I remember conversations we had. Like I bet you, I bet you, he doesn't remember a single fucking thing about me, except that I was a name on his list. It- of former right. clients. Right. So, yeah. So, boundaries, huh? So, yeah. boundaries. Boundaries are important. And one of the things we were talking about off mic was, um, like, what what do you do in that situation? Like, what is the correct response to that situation? Because I think for so long, uh, it's it would be easy just to say, like, block, delete, move on and pretend like it didn't happen and i think like now for i can speak for me like i'm in a place in my life where if that came in i'd be like 
uh, you need to sit down and I'm going to school you about your behavior and then I'm going to block, delete and walk away. Like, I will tell you all of the things you did that were incorrect, that were hurtful, that were harmful and that this, like you showing up here on my space in my life to try and like get me as a client is absurd. I, I, my college voice teacher was really abusive, like really abusive, partially about my weight. And when she wrote a book, she asked me to buy her book. And I was like, I'm sorry, do you not remember the last year of our lives? Like our like relationship together. And I sent her a very long email. And I think there is something to be said about like, when do you walk away? When do you make that decision to walk away? And when do you say, absolutely not you mistreated me and that is a boundary right like that is a boundary of like when you make that decision for you versus when you don't right and it's also self-care it's absolutely no it's absolutely because like my my knee-jerk reaction like because like you know i i'm a human with a lizard brain and that lizard brain has has a a shame a part of it where i was like I was like, th- for a millisecond, I was like, you know, maybe I, maybe I should be working with this person, like, you know, da 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 da. da. But then immediately, the more enlightened, the more enlightened, like, you know, intelligent, self-loving version came in, being like, I'm gonna back away from my microphone. No. like no you are you are a human you are a hard worker you are kind you are you are wonderful you are deserving of respect and and everything in the world and this person did not grant you that and why the fuck would you pay him for that why the fuck and so like i haven't been sure of what to do so he's actually still sitting in my friend request folder just because I'm like, I don't know what to do here because I know I'm not going to be friends with him, but what do I do? And so I think I'm, I think what I'm going to do is message him and just be like, I just want to give you, you probably don't specifically remember me, but let me remind you, please, you know, please be more mindful of the people that, you know, of former clients that you send friend requests to because it's possible that your behavior was harmful. Well, and it also goes back to this like thing that fat people know where you are the most visible person and the most unseen person. Oh yeah. And I feel like that behavior that he just demonstrated is that in a nutshell, right? Like the way he treated you in your body is like, like it was like, from I'm saying this because you've told us before uh, on the podcast was like something to be fixed, right? Instead oh, yeah. of like, like instead of seeing you as a person, yeah. And the mere fact that like you've already gone through this with him once, and now he's coming back and asking you for money, essentially, yeah, is batshit crazy. But it's also back to this idea that like he does not see you. No. He does not see you as a person. Which we could also bring back to the idea of fat phobia as a capitalist endeavor, right? Like yeah. <laughs> fucking for real. No, because yeah. like no, because like uh, you know, I typically like a friend request out of nowhere could be could be perceived as like, oh, like you know, I I see you and I'm interested in what your life is up to and I haven't talked to you in a couple of years and you know I found you on this on this platform and now let's see what you're up to so that we can potentially reconnect. Absolutely not. He has he does not fucking care about what I'm doing with my life. He sees me as a potential income source. And like it, and that I think is what is most hurtful is is the fact that he has that to, to him it's not the most hurtful but it is a hurtful aspect that to him i am a i am a potential income source and to me he represents a huge looming source of pain in my life like I, like yeah. i think of i think of looming pain from the fitness industry and i think of him specifically mm-hmm 
And the fact that he, the fact that I'm just a name on a list is just like it's dehumanizing as fuck. It yeah. is dehumanizing, yeah. Because he literally doesn't like like everything you just said. Like he literally just sees dollar signs in an after photo. He sees oh, his yeah. personal success story, oh, not yeah. yours. One that he can actually say, "Yeah, I did that." You know. He also sees like I mean, and that's also something to say because like that idea of his story, like it's his very narrow scope of what he views as success which yes. is thinness right like mm-hmm. it's not person it's about nothing more than thinness yeah right Ugh. yeah i cannot so that's my that's my story of boundaries for the for the week <laughs> god yeah i think i am gonna message him because like you should it's really it's really shocking yeah like oh god i think it will make you feel empowered to be able to respond to that yeah i agree i I wholeheartedly agree especially with two years of space yes exactly two years have passed and now you can articulate it in a way that I feel, you know, when we're in those moments, when we have those moments, it is so hurtful and so dehumanizing and so jarring for us as people. It's hard to form exactly what we want to say. And, you know, one of the things with this two years of space is that you can say exactly what you want to say. And it won't be from a, a reactionary place. It's from a you did me wrong and here's why right yeah well and like an aspect of that whole experience that i just remembered is like in that consultation like the person like the salesperson essentially was telling me like well there is a trainer that i think would be like a really good fit for you he's our head trainer and is like really really only treat uh trains people who are like really serious about about this kind of thing. Do you think that you're that kind of person? And I basically had to like, they put me in a position where I had to like, basically prove that I was serious about it in order for me to be even considered to have like a trial session with him. So they did the opposite to me. Have I, I think I've told you that I signed up for that gym at one point before I, I can't remember. It was around the same time you were going there, but I don't remember if it was like I had just signed up when you told me the story or like, so regardless, regardless, going back to the story. So I go in and they like are like, well, you should get this trainer. And I thought, you know, I probably should because I've been having a lot of dislocation issues because of the Ehlers-Danlos. I should get a trainer. And uh, they were like, and it'll be so good for weight loss. And I said, I never said anything about weight loss. And I literally called them all out in that moment and was like, how dare you? Blah, 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 blah. So then they assigned me the most meek of the trainers, like uh, Uh who literally – could not lift what I could lift, so she was incapable of spotting my lifts. Wow. And so I was like, great, just because I told you guys, like, like it was like this thing where, like, oh, she must not be serious if she doesn't want to wait. And then I remember one of the trainers looked at my numbers because uh, they wrote in how much I was lifting and was like, who's that? And then uh, my trainer went, oh, it's her. And I waved, and I could see them all like, oh, huh, 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 what, what, her, who? And I was like, fuck you. And basically ran through my sessions and then never went back. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. God. Yeah. But I encourage you to write that for you. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, and honestly, it will be for me. Because I know that, like, this person is so deep in this industry and deep in this mindset that like i'm probably me me sharing my story and my experience i doubt will have much of an impact on him yeah i mean like shit if it did that'd be great but like you know i'm not i'm not holding out much hope so like basically i'm just gonna say to him what i know i need to say in order to move on and not really care how it impacts him just like how what he told me he didn't care how it impacted me 
he didn't care if if I left that gym feeling like shit. In fact, he he was hopeful that it did. Because he hoped that they would just come crawling back. Exactly. Like, you know, it's that whole mentality of you know Shame gonna- is motivation. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which we just have so much data on yeah. that it does not work. And yet, like, this is the thing I will never understand about the fitness industry. So many of the fitness people are like, it's just science. It's just science. I'm like, is it though? Because you clearly don't know the actual data behind shaming people. You clearly don't know the data uh, and science behind, like, fat bodies like you've made up what you think is science and it's bad science because it's often funded by a diet company well right and like you know as a person who has signed up for personal training sessions like once in 2008 once in 2013 once in 2018 like over the pat over that 10 year stretch of me on and off doing personal training every single fucking time we talk about food and we talk about the best way to to do fitness and the best way to to do fitness the best way to work out you know all of this shit like the 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 ethos changes every 5 years and if it's just science like science like concrete actual you know fact based researched thought about tested science doesn't change every five fucking years like it can change incrementally over time but it doesn't completely reverse itself every five years right also like again the reason it keeps changing so drastically is that diet companies are literally funding the changes do you know what i mean like they're funding new research that is essentially um, bad research. It is skewed research that tells them what they want to hear to keep you perpetually in the cycle of diet culture, yeah. which is why it's changed so much. <sighs> with, with lots of air quotes. Um, I'm, I'm air quoting, but you can't see that because you're listening to a podcast. Yeah. Um, air quotes is podcast gold on uh, on, on, yeah. on Scopy on Scopy Radio, which is Scopy Magazine's uh, flagship podcast. We like since the beginning, like we've had guests air quote, and we've had to be like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was an air quote. That was a that was an air quote. It is podcast gold. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I think, you know, when we talk about boundaries, we also have to talk about, uh, as fat people, boundaries with family. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, like, the boundaries we've had to put up with family. You know, sometimes it's for things about, like, actual physical issues. But often um, it's boundaries about your body, especially when you have parents, like, who aren't fat and uh, have spent a long time telling you you need to fix yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's been, like, my entire relationship with my parents since I've, like, since I can remember, you know? Like, just sitting here, I'm, like, trying to think of, like, the earliest time that I can remember having a moment like that. And it was, like, I, like, I guess just to put it out there, like, me and my dad, we, we, I would rather not have a relationship at all. It was something that used to be forced onto me. So yeah. when I, like, talk about him, it's just, like, I don't give a shit here or there. But um, it's just factual. But I remember, because he was a person I spent most of my childhood with. Um, not to say that my mother wasn't present. It's just that her type of work made her travel a lot. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get a lot of time with her. So she, and she was never there to see the abuse that happened. So that's, like, part two of this whole situation. But... Um, I remember, like, I had eaten dinner, and I just knew that I had Cheetos in the kitchen, and, like, it was, like, about 20 or 30 minutes later, and I just wanted to get some Cheetos, and my dad, like, fucking railed into me, like, you fat fucking, you just ate 20 minutes ago, like, slow the fuck down, like, literally almost word for word. I've been cursed at for God knows how long, so it's just, like, all right, like, cool. And that's one thing that kind of even sits with me now 
you know, like despite having grown so much and despite, you know, doing the work that I've been doing, there are moments where I'll eat and I'm still hungry. And I'll be like, you just ate 20 minutes ago. What the fuck? And be like, no, I can, I can fucking do that. Yeah. You know, I can, I can. It's yeah. Because you're not just not able to acknowledge the hunger. You have a voice you have someone else's voice associated with that hunger. Exactly. And that voice is so harmful, right? Because like, I mm-hmm. think you and I share this, that we, I, I will speak to myself. I shouldn't speak to, I, I'm, I'm based on that story. I'm gauging this, but like. No, I feel, I have a feeling what you're going to say. Yeah. Love was not unconditional at home. No. Love was very conditional. Very conditional. Very conditional. And also very much conditional based on my body. Yes. And I remember very specifically at the age of 15, right before things like, so I got emancipated at 16 because um, my father is very abusive. And I remember a moment sitting, being forced to eat a bowl of grapefruit, celery, and cottage cheese. And watching my family eat a meal together. And I was sitting next to the dog who was eating his dog food. And it was like, oh, you treat me like the dog. Yeah. You see me like the dog. And it was a moment where I was like, oh, oh, other kids grow up with unconditional love or understanding that they're loved. Mm -hmm. I don't get that. Yeah. Like, that's just never going to be my experience. Yeah. And as I've grown and as I've aged, like, one of the things I've just learned how to do is either, like, with my mother, who I still have a relationship with, I confront her with things that are hard that she does not want to talk about that I'm like, but we have to. Because the only way we're going to move forward is if we have these conversations and we talk about this and how hurtful and harmful it was for me. Mm -hmm. Um. And also I can acknowledge all of the other things that were going on and that like, you know, there, I, we can acknowledge that. And I also still get to say this was so hurtful and so damaging. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, also I will just never speak to my father again. That's just never going to happen. Right. And that was, uh, by the time I hit six from since the age of 16, I have not seen or spoken to my father without lawyers or police present because police were being called on him um, because he was breaking restraining orders or because, you know, like for a myriad of reasons, like, you know, but like, I will never have a relationship with that person and that's okay. And it's actually put a very big strain on uh, my relationship with my brother because my brother decided he wanted a relationship with him. And I have said pretty much like, I will not tell you who you can and cannot have a relationship with, but for me to maintain my boundaries, I cannot invite that person into my life peripherally. And that means if you are actively engaged in relationship with him, I cannot be in relationship with you. Yeah. And boundaries are hard, but it's also, that is self-care. Yeah. Me, and, you know, I thought maybe I was being reactionary. And every friend I know who works in social work, who I'm close to, who I, like, have these kinds of conversations with, and every therapist I've ever been to, it's like, nope, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> like, and I'm like, okay, great, right? Like, because boundaries aren't easy. Boundaries are work, and they're hard. But so is self-care. I think we, we often think of self-care as face masks and a bottle of rosé. And sometimes that's what it is, right? Sometimes yeah. that's what you need. But yeah. also sometimes it's being your own best advocate. And I think as a fat person, one of the things I'm very appreciative of is it has taught me how to be my own best advocate. Oh, Absolutely. And I still have, and I still, and I mean, I still have problems with that, like personally, but that's something that this year I'm really taking, I'm really taking like the charge on myself to work on because on top of all of that shit, right? Like 
the could like the conditional love that came with losing weight like it just kind of taught me that I'll never be good enough so why mm-hmm. would people want to support me and like I have to prove myself to some like exponential amount of effort in order to be like taken seriously by people and you can see evidence of that like in my career just like how much I have like I've worked myself into the ground over and over again um and I've won this and I've won that and I've done this and I've done that and I tell and I used to like tell my mom about these things all the time to like prove that I could still be an exceptional person despite my size right you know like because that was one thing I I feel like she was always worried about um I mean fucked up right like yeah and at one point I just stopped telling her (laughs) because it didn't matter anymore so as and and on top of that those wins just started to become my own wins you know and like I don't need to chase that validation anymore. Right. Well, also, like, I, I'll I'll jump in and add something on my end. And I think yeah. this is probably very congruent to your experience that it didn't matter what I was winning in. I didn't win at the thing she wanted me to win in. Yes. Right. Like, she viewed weight loss as a win. And if I hadn't done that, I hadn't really won. Right. And that has definitely changed because of the hard and difficult conversations we've had. But it took a long time for that to change. And it took a lot of like my mother being willing to be confronted with some of this. And like with my father, that will never be something I can do. Right. Like um, they used to go on vacation and my father would not would tell me I wasn't allowed to come with because I was too fat and ugly to be seen with them. And so I would like just be home for two weeks by myself because I had been told I was too fat and ugly to like be acknowledged as part of the family. And now it's like when I go on vacation I go to places where I put on a fucking bikini and I like lay by where like a pool and I am visible. Yeah. I no longer, I, and, and like for as much hurt and as much pain as all of that was right. And, and we unpack that pain and we unpack that hurt. And we, I, I will tell you, I still continue to unpack that pain and unpack that hurt. Right. I also actively make myself, be my father's worst nightmare which is someone who is fat and happy and successful and loved and fuckable and you know what i mean like all of these things that were just programmed that this is not something you ever get yeah i i go after and i go after with um passion and zest and zeal and it's because like i realized I am worthy of those things. I am worthy of all of that. And I feel like that is self-care. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. This idea that like acknowledging my worth is a form of self-care. And while it's, and like, that's a form of self-care that is sometimes exhausting, but it's also self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Like unlearning all that shit is a form mm-hmm. of self-care because like yeah. then your your brain's just not clouded with all like I mean to an extent it'll always be there, right? Because you can't just like that shit that's been programmed into us since we were children. Like it won't yeah. just go away. But like actively working against it, like like for example, like a one another thing that like that stuck with me forever was the fact that like my dad like walked in to the room I was playing like computer games on and he just looked at me and he was like when you get older you're gonna wonder why nobody loves you and you're just gonna have to look in the mirror to figure it out and that is a line and that is a moment that is kind of like it's it's one of those like 
pick like I can I can tell you every single thing about the room what like what I was playing you know like I will never forget that moment in my entire life and it's been something that I've been working since then to unlearn I've even had a two-year relationship where I had to question like he's gonna leave me eventually because of how I like you know like and I mean fuck him right like he's somewhere doing things don't know why he whatever right all that to say like i can't read his mind but that was like one of the first things that i thought and that was just because i had that flashback you know and now i have to like enter. and i mean now i've like you know that i know that's not the case but now i have to like enter the dating scene again when i'm ready and i have to like fight that all over again yeah, and that also is- it's hard to be in the dating scene when you're in a Quarantine. fucking pandemic. <laughs> yeah, which I, which I mean, like you know, I'm ready to start again, but like I'm not doing shit because I can't meet people and I don't trust y'all. So, uh. but, <laughs> right. But that is just like you know one of those things where it's like cutting somebody out completely is a form of self care in yourself, no matter how long it takes. And I just want to like. I guess for people listening that might be in the same situation, like, you know, a lot of people, especially like people in your family or like, depending on like what your family dynamics are, right? Like they'll always tell you, oh, well, well, that's your so-and-so, that's your dad. Like, he's just doing it because he loves you or your mom's only saying that because she loves you and like trying to like gaslight you. Into, that is like, not love. It's not love. That like, is not love. No, it's not. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, oh God, like, you don't have to listen to that. Like, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, like, you don't have to li- It's going to be hard, but, like, find people that, like, you trust and find comfort in to, like, reaffirm you that you are amazing. You know, and it took me a very long time to find those people that truly made me comfortable in, in who I am as a person. And, and it, it takes a long time to find the people that when they say those things, you can hear them. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Because yeah. you get so accustomed to the people who, in our social construct, the people who were supposed to love and care for you were not capable of doing it. And when they're not capable of doing it and you live in the construct of like parents love their children and you are told these terrible things by parents... It is hard to take a step back and be like, does this mean everyone feels this way about me? Mm -hmm. Or does it mean that somehow I got put into a flawed system? Right. That like this, that even though that is the construct we're supposed to have, I didn't get that. And so does that like, I, I need to learn that those things are true because they're true because I am worthy of, being loved and I am worthy of goodness and I'm worthy of kindness because I am those things, right? Like I am those things and I am worthy of those things. But when the people who are supposed to tell you that are not capable of telling you that it makes that journey real hard and real weird and take some time. Yeah. Like I just started talking to my mom again on a more consistent level and I think it's because now that she lives with him full time now, she understands what I went through for like the first 18 years of my life before I decided to leave, go to college and never come back, you know, mm-hmm. like, and now that she's been sitting it with it, with it for so long, I remember, and I'll never forget this day either. The first day that like the pandemic was essentially announced, I was like walking through the grocery store like buying things and just listening to her talk and I felt so bad because it was like the first time we'd had a conversation in like months like since Christmas and the pandemic was officially declared like in what in March mm-hmm. when we started yep. to like yeah so like that was the first time I talked spoke to my mother on the phone for that and that's like that's a long time for me and I remember the first thing I said after her listening her talk for like 15 20 minutes was like so do you understand why I don't have a relationship with him now? Like, do you get why every time you asked me to talk to him and you, every time you told me that it was never that bad, that I just couldn't do it and I 
kind of shut you down every single time? Do you understand that now? And like, and not in a way that seems like, I feel like I said it a little bit combative, but like I said it in a more caring way. And she was like, yeah, I can finally understand why. Yeah. And that actually had to be huge because it's an acknowledgement of something yeah. you've carried with you that like, there is something also to be said, like when you know something to be true on the inside of you, like I remember being seven years old and doing the dishes and giving myself a pep talk that said, you only have to get through 11 more years. If you can get to 18, you're going to be fine. You just have to get to 18. Mm-hmm. And like doing dishes as a seven-year-old, giving myself this pep talk. Yeah. Like, because I knew, I knew something wasn't right. It just, and it was like that, it took roots you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like as a kid, I knew it was wrong and it just kept rooting and rooting and rooting. And it was the thing that allowed me to be kind of like a tree for a good portion of that abuse where I was like swaying in the wind on top, but was rooted into my identity of knowing that I was going to somehow get through it. And like, I think there is something that happens when you get that acknowledgement of like, um, I'm going to use this word because uh, I will say in my situation, I was made to feel as if I was crazy. Mm-hmm. When you know you're not crazy and you're being made to feel as if you're crazy, mm-hmm. like, and you get that acknowledgement, not only from like medical professionals, right? Like the psychiatrists and therapists, they send you to who are like, oh, no, 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 you're not the problem. Um, right. You have things you need to work on, but you're not the problem. But also yeah. then when you get that confirmation from other people who are in the situation, it it's like that thing that you held so closely inside of you starts to relax a little. Yeah. Like, it just sort of starts to be able to um, be less anchoring and, like, can be a little more bubbly, you know? Like, it's the bubble that lives inside of you instead of the, like kettlebell <laughs> yeah the kettle, yeah but i mean there's one more thing i didn't want to say and i mean i know that maureen's been very quiet throughout this entire well, conversation I, no i mean but i want to no go I ahead i wanted to give you props because <laughs> like and i mean it because and i might get a little emotional because talking about like friendships that make you feel Shit, I am getting emotional. Fuck. <laughs> Talking about friendships that do make you feel affirmed in who you are and like positive that you are okay how you are. Like, I've had plenty of friendships, you know, along the way. And I still, you know, have a lot of close friends from like all of my travels and like places that I've lived. But to come to a brand new city where like, you know, I'm just truly starting my body acceptance experience. Like, I mean, I've been working on it for a while, but like Chicago, I think was the city where it truly started. And Maureen was like one of the first friends I made that like really made me feel real. (laughs) Like I had like my burlesque, I have my burlesque troupe and I don't want to like, you know, um, forget about any of them because they helped me a ton as well but like like just outside like so I don't know like somebody to like return to if that makes any sense we don't li- we don't we don't live together but like I don't know I just want to like, share you share life together that's yeah. my friend my friend Erin is that for me like she is like the person who I share my life with right like and it's uh, it is a really necessary, beautiful thing. And I I love watching your friendship. You know, like I get to <laughs> see that friendship. And it is beautiful because you affirm each other and you you lift one another up and you guys are um family. Well and the reason I'm able I actually had a really interesting conversation with my mom the other day um, where she was so my my mom you know if you're a person who has met my mom like she is like 
tough as nails. She's strong as fuck. Um, and I had a conversation with her where she she's just been having a really hard time throughout through this whole pandemic because because <sighs> she lives alone um oh damn it <laughs> oh i think this is the first time i get emotional on the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah she did it <laughs> she cried um she's but like she's a very social person so she's been alone for the past three months basically and like for my whole life she's been like the strong person i call and because of that source of strength i've been able to be strong for other people um and for the first time I got to be strong for her and it was everything. Um, (sighs) okay. Um, and like we, we texted afterward cause like, you know, she and I aren't great about like, expressing feelings about each other to each other like because we'll both just start crying (laughs) um but we had a conversation afterward that was just like you know she was like i'm so proud that i you know raised someone who has the strength to be there for me because i've always been the strong one and i know it's hard and i was like I feel so fortunate to be able to have the foundation to be able to be the strong one for people who don't have that. You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, I feel like I feel like every fat person, you know, on a much smaller degree to, you know, the work that you two have had to do to, like, dismantle, you know, feelings of, you know, kind of like chips in your armor that you know like when you're a kid and you're being raised and you're in this situation where you're supposed to have this unconditional love like that's the time that you're building up this armor to get you through the rest of your fucking life and if there are there are chips in that armor like you know it it affects you for the rest of your life and so doing the work now and like having to dismantle that like every fat person has to do that to some degree and like You know, I've had to do that work. You know, I grew up in an incredibly supportive home where, like, love was unconditional. But even I've had to dismantle some stupid bullshit, you know, growing up in an athletic house and, you know, all of that. Nothing compared to to the work that y'all have had to do. But I mean, like, it's it's it happens with everyone. And I just I just feel so fortunate to be a person who both has done the work to be that pillar for other people like I, I, I feel fortunate that I've done the work on myself that I know what work is being done by other people but I also feel fortunate to have that background of strength and love so that I can be a pillar so that I can be there to try to help rebuild that armor for other people it's like yeah the the i i it's like the i'm so passionate about it (laughs) about being there for other people and it's just like so yeah i'm i'm glad (laughs) kita i love you friend yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know i was thinking about this recently with this um idea that fat people end up having to do so much emotional labor for our friends and i was like part of it like this idea of like you're the side yeah do you know what i mean yeah and i was like i think part of it is also because of what we're currently talking about that we have all had to do so much work to get to a better baseline because the world doesn't grant us that baseline yeah. Because we're constantly inundated with messaging of like how fat people aren't 
lovable or how they're not this or how they're not this. So just to get to some sense of neutrality, we've already had to do so much work. And there are just plenty of thin people who just haven't had to do that. And so it's not that they think you're the sidekick in your own story. It's that you have different tools. You have just completely different tools than they've ever had to have. And like, I find that really, like, I don't, I haven't made any conclusions about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just find it interesting when you think about the fact that like, it is almost like a superpower. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that we're a lot more emotionally intelligent because we've forced, forced to be. Right. As a, as self-defense. Yeah. And self-preservation. Like, you know, and again, that goes into this idea of self-care. Yeah. Well, cause, self-care above all. Yeah. Well, cause like Sorry. part of the, <laughs> part of the, part of the conversation I had with my mom was that like, you know, I was telling, you know, I was telling her, like, she was saying that she's so tired because she's, you know, been strong for 60 years or whatever. And I was telling her, like, well, you know, the work I've been doing is that I'm trying to be strong for other people. And she asked me if I was okay. And, like, being the strong person, like, I feel like being the emotionally intelligent fat person in a lot of people's lives you're not often asked are you okay because totally because we're so used to being there and being the emotionally intelligent one and like it it comes very easily to us and where other people you know spend their entire lives getting on getting on our level basically like trying to get on our level of emotional intelligence we wake up in the morning and and it's just kind of there but we're never asked are you okay like and to be asked that was like it took me aback so intensely and i was just like kind of i'm kind of okay <laughs> and like after that and like after i finished teaching like after i finished teaching yesterday i just spent like 14 hours in bed and just like rested and like feel so much better today and like and it's because i was just i was i was forced to examine like are you okay and it's that it's that self-care of like having to sit yourself down and be like are you okay and if the answer is no figuring out where to go from there and figuring out is there a boundary like is there a boundary i need to be that i am sacrificing myself because i am caring for others right yeah yeah. And sometimes like we can want to do something and still need to put like not hard boundaries, like we can have soft boundaries, right? We can have like pink fluffy boundaries, but just know that like I have to for my own well-being not talk about certain things after a certain time or I know I don't sleep. You know what I mean? Like like it, things like that. The boundary can be a soft boundary. But a boundary sometimes has to happen when you are the tough, strong one. And don't always get asked, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that this is probably a good place to end. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I, have a, I have a crying headache. So I think I'm oh, going to, no. so I think that's, I think that's where I've ended. <laughs> yeah, is that, is that, is that why you don't cry more? Because I, I get a crying headache. <laughs> um, but I don't know. My final thought is check in on your strong friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Because they might not know they're not okay. (laughs) My final thought is... Show yourself compassion as you're showing others compassion. Remember that, like, when you do a lot of work for other people, it's also important to look at yourself and do some work for yourself. Yeah. Take care of yourself. In whatever way that looks for you or whatever feels best for you and whatever boundaries you want to set are always valid because they're yours. Yeah. Yeah. And also drink rosé and put on a face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes a bitch needs that. Exactly. Don't pour a glass. Just open the bottle. I mean, if you <laughs> now know know thyself, right? right. Like, <laughs> like, if the bottle's gonna be a problem, don't. Okay. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. As the as the, as a as the partner of a of a person who who is bad at drinking, you know, know thyself. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, do what you got to do to feel better, especially now. Jesus Christ, especially now. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we love you, podcast babies. Do and I love you, Kita, and I love you, Maureen. I love you, Jesse. I love you, Maureen. I love you, Kita, and I love you, Jesse. Look, it's a love fest. Oh. <laughs> love fest. Woogie, woogie, woogie. All right. <laughs> Bye, podcast babies. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on all the social media places as Fat Out of Hell Pod and all the podcast places as Fat Out of Hell. And you can shoot us an email at fatoutahellpod at gmail.com. Bye, baby.